Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the Internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls, code nogirls. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. You're listening to Disinformed, a mini series from There Are No Girls on the Internet. I'm Bridget Todd. This week, Australian social media users suddenly found themselves banned from sharing content on Facebook. This was an escalation of Facebook's attempts to resist the Australian government's push to make big tech companies pay news publishers when news content shows up in their search results and their platforms. And according to FT, it's one of the most far-reaching restrictions Facebook has ever placed on publishers in any part of the world. This comes as Google struck a separate deal with Rupert Murdoch's News Corp to pay for some of their news content, resolving their ongoing dispute with the Australian media giant. Last month, Google threatened to pull out of Australia altogether. Now, the Facebook ban is far-reaching. It blocks posts from any Australian publisher from being seen anywhere in the world, and it blocks all users in Australia from seeing any news content, even from non-Australian publishers, The Washington Post reports. 
Facebook used the broadest definition of news content, so it's not just impacting news publishers. Organizations like nonprofits and activist organizations, many of whom rely on social media to get their message and resources out there, were unable to do so. So for services like food banks or domestic violence centers, some of whom found themselves blocked from posting, Facebook's hasty move could keep people from getting access to critical resources during a pandemic. We need to talk about the ways this move will impact Australians who use the internet to do important work. People like digital organizer Tabitha Fulker. Tabitha and I met in the United States when I was running a boot camp for digital activists. Today, she runs Organize Us, an organization that trains Australian activists to use the internet and social media to make change. I joined her in Australia to help train digital activists in 2017, and she's been fighting for change since college. When I was at university, I got involved in grassroots environmental activism. So I was actually going down to forests and helping stopping them getting cut down for uh, wood chips. And so I very much started my kind of career, I guess, as it's become in activism as a university student, just seeing some injustices in the world and wanting to make some positive change around them. Um, And that led me into actually changing my major and becoming a journalist. And from there, um, after working on daily newspapers for years, I really missed the progressive sector. So I took a full-time role at a big national environmental organisation where I was lucky enough uh, to join that just as the time where digital technologies really started to shape the way that organisations were talking to their supporters. But through that, I kind of found myself again realising that there was a lack of skills and understanding of what digital technologies can do. And I left that organisation to start up Organise Us, which is a digital communication and training agency. So we work with lots of different non-profits and grassroots organisers, both helping them to develop their digital strategy and roll that out but also running a really comprehensive training program. And that's actually where I met you, Bridget, when I was lucky enough to come across to the US and learn under some amazing digital organisers in how to both use technology but also how to train other people in using technology. Um, So that was quite a a life-changing, pivotal moment for me. From her training work, Tabitha has tapped into a network of Australian climate and human rights campaigners who all use social media heavily in their work. And she says the Facebook ban sent panic through her community. So we all grabbed out our phones and went to log on to our Facebook pages and suddenly noticed that we couldn't share or post any news articles. And actually for a lot of nonprofit organisations, their Facebook profiles were entirely blank. So the banner images gone and all the content was gone from their feeds. Um, And we went, oh, God, what's going on here? And so jumped onto news sites and quickly realised that Facebook had decided to implement their new sharing ban across the platform for anyone in Australia. So that basically means that you can't access or share any news articles of Australian media or international media across their platform if you're residing in Australia. Um, We knew that this was a possibility for a little while. So Australia, um, the Australian government has been in conversations with Facebook for a while around this idea that Facebook should be paying news agencies like Rupert Murdoch to have access to news on their platform. So there's been a really big tussle going on politically 
And Facebook, basically a, a large piece of that legislation passed our House of Representatives last week and is likely to pass our upper house, the Senate, within a week's time. So I guess Facebook realised that it needed to kind of fire a warning shot about what this new new media landscape would look like if the Australian government went ahead with creating this legislation. So how was Facebook able to do this and what were some of the impacts that you saw? Well, the, the problem was is that there, and the problem is, is that there's no legal definition of what news is in Australia. So Facebook has turned around and said, well, if there isn't a legal definition of what news is that we can agree on, we're going to take the broadest term of what news is And that is how it's impacted a lot of um, government Facebook pages, health-based Facebook pages and non-profit and community organising Facebook pages. They sort of cast the net really wide to show that it's going to be really difficult to regulate this piece of legislation if it goes through. And so for us, um, it was really difficult because, first of all, we're in a global pandemic and people are relying on social media to access health information. And there were local and community pages that are giving that information who suddenly found their entire Facebook feed empty of content. Um, And also a lot of amazing campaigns and organisations that have invested time, energy and money into developing these Facebook communities over years and years and years, find panicking that all of that hard work and that community was now gone. So there was definitely a sense of panic. And we noticed that my inbox started to explode. My messaging was exploding because we worked with so many organisations across their digital where they were saying, our pages are blank, what's going on? And so we reached out to Facebook um, and and pulled together a spreadsheet. And currently in that spreadsheet, there's over 200 nonprofits and community groups whose pages have been impacted. So we've put out the call and organisations have been listing their issues. So basically there's two issues. One is that, as I've already explained, the pages are entirely blank of content or a second issue, um, and you could fall into both of these categories or just one of these categories. The second issue is that organisations found that they could no longer post web links from their own websites. So, for example, the Australian Council of Trade Unions couldn't post the link to their Join the Union page. It was blocked. And so Facebook... Um, we reached out to Facebook and they told us that they were taking the broadest sense of what the news was, but that they did not expect um, government, political and some non-news and um, non-for-profit pages to be impacted by yesterday's announcement and that the actions that they were taking were focused on restricting publishers and people in Australia from sharing or viewing Australian and international news content. The problem was is that they implemented this incredibly fast based on the government's process and it's it's caused chaos. There's been a lot of issues and a lot of glitches. So they've asked us in good faith to give them that spreadsheet and that they are going through and reinstating those pages that are impacted. Um, and of those 500 pages, I've had a look this morning and about 10 have been reinstated so far. Um, and they're moving through and have committed to be reinstating those pages. I've read reports of food banks having their Facebook pages be blocked, you know, domestic violence shelters. We're in a, we're still in a pandemic and it's, you know, the idea that Facebook would allow for people who are providing critical services, time sensitive, critical services, you know, food, domestic violence, this stuff can't wait. The fact that they would 
block these pages as a as a kind of bargaining chip is really something. It is really something, but I do I do want to clarify that I don't think it's as a war between Facebook and the Australian government. I think this is a war between Facebook and Rupert Murdoch. And so oh, we yeah. have two massive monopolies. We've got the traditional media monopoly with the figurehead of Rupert Murdoch, and then we've got this new media landscape and monopoly um, with the head of Zuckerberg. And so this is really a money-grabbing exercise. So I think that when you look at the Media Bargaining Code, which is this piece of legislation that we're talking about, the code itself is really flawed. It's had a flawed approach from the start. Um, Facebook blocking access to news for Australians is just one of the possible outcomes of this proposal. If we're really serious about looking at media ownership and having a fair democratic media landscape, both in the traditional media and the new media, we need people who are making decisions around this that are informed on these technologies, who are understanding that these are these are also communities. It's not straight broadcast media in that traditional term, and that fundamentally Facebook doesn't have to be putting up news media because they're a privately owned company. So they have done that in the past. So I think that there are some big, broad philosophical conversations that we need to be having around the future of media, both in the traditional sense and the new media sense. This dispute between Facebook and Rupert Murdoch has created big problems for digital organizers like Tabitha. But as a campaigner and a former journalist, someone whose work involves persuasion and sending an effective message, she kind of understands it as a tactic. Rupert Murdoch has a direct line of communication with Australia's Prime Minister. So I think that as much as I entirely disagree with Facebook's approach of blocking so many pages and so many incredibly vital pages, I do, I do understand the approach and the um, we're campaigners. And so if I was going to run a campaign on this front, you would be thinking about there's a threat of legislation being implemented in five days' time. We need to show what the impact of this could look like. And Australia is being used as that case study and that scapegoat in that. So Facebook really needs to reinstate these pages if they're going to keep um, that community spirit alive on its platforms. It needs to understand and apologise for this with its community. But I also, part of me as a a reform journalist, as I like to call it, I understand the why, the why they've taken Mm. this approach. News media in Australia accounts for about 4% of the content that's across Facebook. And I think that there are some incredibly clever campaigners and organisers who have already noticed that over the last 12 months, Facebook has kind of been moving in this direction. If you post a news link on your, your page, your engagement is really low. But if you are repurposing that news and repurposing that content through the voice of your supporters and the voice of your community, then your engagement spikes. So as digital organisers and content creators, we need to be thinking about how we are telling our own stories in our own way um, and really focusing in on that engagement. Having said that, then that also does bring real concerns around misinformation being portrayed across these platforms when we can't have really solid um, fact-checked independent reportage on these platforms as well. That's such a great point. And I know that as a digital organizer and your network of digital organizers, you know, y'all are some of the most innovative folks out there. Have folks already sort of talking about, you know, creative ways around it, like how you're going to sort of innovate so that you can still get your message out there, even with Facebook doing these kinds of things? 
Definitely. So we facilitated a SNAP webinar yesterday afternoon um, with most of the progressive organisers across Australia. So everyone, hundreds of people jumped onto a webinar and we started to have that exact conversation. First of all, we just wanted to let everyone know that we've been having these conversations and that Facebook is promising to reinstate these pages. But then we stepped into the space to have those conversations. So um, basically, it's like how to tell the news without having to actually link across to news. And there are some really interesting, fun and creative ways of doing that. Um, and we've started having that shared conversation and, and upskilling everybody to be thinking about what does this look like? Everyone's really happy to move away from the Rupert Murdoch press. Um, the part of this that is really is going to continue to struggle is like independent media, um, satire, political commentary, because they are all currently falling under that definition of news and are losing um, their ability to post their content. So, I mean, there's a really good opportunity for cartoonists, for graphic designers, for video um, creators to think about new ways of sharing news and getting that information across. But bloody hell, hopefully uh, Facebook does reverse its decision and we can start to share news links again because... Ideally, this isn't the way we want to continue going forward. What do you think about the idea that Facebook, just one company, has the this kind of power to really shape the entire media landscape of Australia? Like, what do you think of one company having that power to to have that kind of impact? I think it's a it's a flawed approach, but um, and sadly, we've been living in a monopoly media landscape for a really long time. Um, so I don't agree that Facebook should be able to hold that kind of power. And I also don't agree that large organisations like News Corp can be holding that amount of power. Um, a decision was made, uh, federal, again, government decision was made a few years ago, which enabled Rupert Murdoch to buy up most of the regional newspapers across Australia. And in the last 12 months, they've closed 112 local newspapers, just closed them and moved them into a digital landscape. So if if the news agencies and news um, monopolies are really serious about driving revenue, they should be continuing these publications and allowing local ad spends to, to fuel their business model. So I disagree that Facebook should be funding Rupert Murdoch's business model, but I also disagree that Facebook should be able to basically run tax-free in so many countries across the world as well. So we, we need to be looking at the way big tech is regulated um, at that federal level, but I don't think that it should just be an argument between traditional media and new media and allow that to create the discourse. Definitely, I completely agree. And I think that something that you really point out that I think is essential is that, you know, in this, in these two uh, factions of media warring, it's independent journalism, it's local journalism, it's it's people making content that are already marginalized or having a hard time getting that platform who I feel can really be in the crosshairs. And it's important to lift up the folks who are, you know, doing that work, whether it's, you know, local journalists or, you know, satire or folks who may not have this big platform. I, I worry that it's those already marginalized creators and, you know, uh, and media makers who are going to be most hurt by these kinds of decisions. Absolutely. It would be a great outcome of this battle if uh, independent media, satirists, 
um, political commentators who are able to get a seat at the table and develop a categorization of what news is and allow these smaller um, thought-provoking think tanks to still be able to build up their audiences across these platforms and hold those communities. Imagine if we were able to kind of dull the noise of the right wing or the uh, Rupert Murdoch-owned media across these platforms and enabled these smaller ones to have a bigger voice and take up more space on that. That would be a fantastic outcome of this process. That's exactly what I want to see globally. You know, more people being included in the conversation and having a seat at the table and a real voice and not just big right wing noise machines being able to drown everyone else out. So what's next? You know, what's the path forward? We get creative. We come together as a community. We hold Facebook accountable and make Facebook recognize that it has been like the nonprofit sector is huge and they've invested money, resources, energy and time into building these communities and they need to reinstate these pages immediately um, and ensure that they are continue to be thriving communities, um, particularly around these issues that everyone's advocating for. But then I think this is a great opportunity as organisers to come together and be super creative, thinking about how we are telling our own stories, relying less on traditional media, coming up with creative ways of amplifying diverse voices, diverse um, ways of developing content and ensuring that uh, we also are stepping out into a whole bunch of different platforms that are allowing our stories to be told and are not holding us accountable um, based on these decisions and this legislation. Is there anybody or any organization out there who you think is really doing cutting edge creative work around getting their story out there? Um, Funnily enough, I've fallen in love with a couple of different news um, sources on Instagram who are just simply using the slide technique to tell news media stories really quickly, so in sound bites. Um, I think that that's fantastic. There's a woman, Jess Harwood, who has just been thriving over the past 12 months. She's a cartoonist and she is supporting the work of so many different organisations with really creative storytelling. Um, and getting her work kind of broadcast on the BBC, for example. Um, I think that there are some incredible video producers and there's an organisation in Australia that has really kind of 12 months ago decided that it wanted to sort of step away, as I was mentioning, from regular news media and that's Get Up and they have just seen incredible engagement when they are putting news stories through the voices and through the faces of their community, of their membership-based community. Um, people are wanting to follow these pages because they're interested in storytelling from that page's perspective. And I think we need to remember that, that we are our own best storytellers. I love that. Tabitha, where can folks keep up with all the amazing work that you're doing? So they can follow us at organiseus.com.au. Um, jump on there. We've got a newsletter that we're emailing out to people. We have um, some incredible Facebook pages and groups that are still <laughs> currently operating. And uh, we are running a whole comprehensive training program that is going to be really leaning into this issue and really encouraging organisers to be thinking about how they're creating engaging content, content across multiple channels 
in really fun and engaging ways so that we're not caught up in this tussle between traditional media and new tech, but we're being able to tell our own stories our own way. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please help us grow by subscribing. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? We'd love to hear from you at hello at tangody.com. Disinformed is brought to you by There Are No Girls on the Internet. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our supervising producer and engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. For more great podcasts, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girl Bomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.